Hello again, and welcome to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast, proudly serving the best in cocktails and comic books since, you know, the last four episodes. This week we are discussing the revival of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We're reading Changes Constant, Volume 1 from 2015. We have our standard panel members this week with Todd and Adam joining me online and Q ranting on the telephone. If you like what you hear, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us at www.funnybooksandfirewater.com. You can find us on Twitter at FirewaterCast. You can find us on Instagram at FunnyBooksAndFirewater. And you can find us at work most days if we are not hungover. Um, anyway, so I uh, hope you guys enjoy this episode um, and my random ranting. Uh, yes, Q completely disagrees with everything we have to say, and I'm a little disappointed myself. He wasn't there in person to debate with us. However, if all the schedules align, we will all be together to drink and read next week. Now feel free to read along and drink along with us as we discuss the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Changes Constant Volume 1. So, um, here we go. Welcome back. Uh, we are here with Todd and Adam again, and he will be joining us. Hello! I'm in. Adam, Hi, do you want to do your intro? Um, yeah, I'm Adam McDonald. i uh, film critic for Big Shiny Robot, the Bored as Hell podcast, and also uh, Geeks Out, uh, geeksout.org. Uh, so I do a little bit of stuff for everyone. Um, I also do video games and just fun stuff and uh, lots of monthly contests for Big Shiny Robots. So if you ever want to go see a movie in advance before it comes out or win some free shit, uh, come check me out over there. Um, but yeah, that's me, and I'll turn it over to Todd because he's a lot more interesting than I am. <laughs> well, how nice. Um, I'm Todd Pilkington. Um, I live in Utah. been a friend of Brian's here for 20-some-odd years. I work in a warehouse, and I really try to avoid Facebook. <laughs> you are a better man than I, good sir. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, my job has been super boring recently, so I've spent way more time on Facebook than I normally would like to. I also have a bad habit of uh, I keep uh, buying stuff on Amazon, and I'll come home and be like, "Hey, presents! Like, it's amazing! It's amazing. <laughs> Where did they come from? <laughs> I know what amazing, wonderful genie left this stuff for us. This is <laughs> okay." So, number one, the new Ninja Turtles thing. So, I was a big fan of the Ninja Turtles growing up because, obviously, I, I grew up in the 1990s and everyone did. Um, obviously, I loved the movies. You know, we had every freaking toy. Diving into this, thank God, after, you know, two books that are heavy as hell, we finally got something fun. Um <laughs> This was a. This is recommended by uh, by Jeremiah Lupo for us uh, from Doctor Volt. If you uh, are in the neighborhood, go say hi to Jeremiah. Um, but he recommended this to us and said that this uh, uh, this series has been on his uh, his radar for a long time and, and one of his favorites. It is. Uh, it's. Uh, I, I feel like I have to specify because I've also been reading the original um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, and uh, the thing that I, uh, before we get into this book a little bit, uh, oh, well, to clarify, so this is the new run of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, IDW, when they took over, um, they're running it. It's not, it's one of the original creators, Kevin Eastman um, is one of the writers with uh, Tom Waltz, um, and then uh, I think it's what Dan Dugan uh, does the art for it, um, or some combination of those, those are the three main names on the title. Um, so we're doing the first trade, which is uh, Changes Constant. Um, but uh, and it, it does vary the uh, the um, the origin story of the turtles a little bit, and not to a point where I um, was bitter about it. 
And the funny thing is, I started thinking about this. I am a way mm. bigger Turtles fan than I thought that I was. Like, when I started reading this book and realized the Turtles have been a big... I've, I've been a big fan of it for a long time. So I kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts on how... I mean, they are essentially a staple. Um, how? What is your first memories of the Ninja Turtles? Or how did you become first acquainted with them? You know, that kind of thing. Um, I'll go first. I remember when the live action Ninja Turtle movie came out and the first word utter on it, I went, it was like for my ninth birthday, I think. And we were watching this dark and dreary show and then you see Raphael and he just kind of goes, damn, I lost it. And I'm like, you said a bad word. Yeah. But I absolutely loved it. And actually in reading this in, I had to go back in. I had these crazy guys. I've held That's on to awesome. for all these years. So I thought it was cool. Well, it's an audio podcast. Todd is showing off a plush Michelangelo that is freaking awesome. And I am super jealous. Here comes a Donatello as well. As well. And I'm a 35 year old guy. And the two, th- I have three stuffed animals apparently. And two of them are the turtle. <laughs> so yeah, amazing. Yeah. So, you know, looking at it, being like a part of your life and yeah, as a fan is I've moved, I've gotten rid of stuff. It's like I'm getting rid of childish things. I'm moving beyond, but I never could give up Michelangelo and Donatello. They're just always there and they have a special place in my heart. Absolutely. (laughs) That's awesome. Adam, why don't you go ahead? Yeah, so I I actually started back when the cartoon came out. Uh, it was the old 1980s, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You know, so I was big into that, and I remember going to visit my grandpa and going to KB Toy Stores. And kids, this was actually a dedicated toy store malls that has been built <laughs> for over a decade, um, and trying desperately just to find any of the action figures. I mean, this is like one of the first times where. I remember as a kid just being desperate to find this and couldn't find him anywhere. And then finally, finally found like a Donatello and was just so overjoyed. And it was like Christmas had come early. Um, but yeah, I got, I got into him that way. And then I remember we were at Pick and Save, which again, kids, was Big Lots before it was Big Lots, was called Pick and Save. And they had a trade of some of the original Eastman Laird comics. And that was the first time I'd ever seen them all with the red bandanas and not the multicolored. Mm. And it was a much darker turn for um, for the comics. In fact, I also have some of the original individual ones that got really dark and um, and became kind of goofy and more in line with the TV show. Mm-hmm. So those two things, and then of course the movies came out, and then um, I kind of after the third movie came out, and the TV show stopped, kind of fell out of it. Uh, and then actually, when this one first came out, my buddy's also a huge fan. He's like, "No, you need to read this." So I actually owned for a long time. I think the first thirty issues or so, or however many there were at that point um and got me like again reminded me just how much of a fan i was and how intriguing and interesting it was and just how when you take it with you can still have goofy fun with it but giving it a more mature bent and not like in the you know f's this and you know saddened people um you can have a really good time with it and it's it's a great comic Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also, I think I got introduced via, I'm not necessarily sure if it was a cartoon or the movie first. I think they both kind of came in at the same time. Um, but I remember, yeah, I remember, I think it probably had to do the cartoon first, because I also had the Nintendo game, which was nearly impossible to play. Um, like, it was Fuck a ridiculously that game. hard video. I can, I can, I can <laughs> no, I can beat it. You just, uh, fuck that game. Oh, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But um, one of the things that I kind of, a fun memory I had, of, I, I've had a few fun memories associated with Ninja Turtles, and as I was reading this book, I was reminded of all of them. One of which being that 
when my parents um, when my parents were building a house and so we were living in a condo because we were trying to save money and they were building their house and so me and my sister were very far removed from all of our friends and neighbors and, and that kind of thing this was before I ever met Todd um, and uh, so we and we, we were on swim teams so my parents would pick us up from school take us to swim practice they'd bring us back so we really didn't have a whole lot of Ex, like friends that we could hang out with like we had friends at school but we didn't have friends like on the weekends we could hang out with and so it was one of those things that me and my sister ended up hanging out with and I remember very vividly my sister playing Ninja Turtles with me all the time she always got to be Michelangelo because Donatello was my favorite and she liked Michelangelo and we would play Ninja Turtles all the time so flash forward many years um, I don't think we were married but we were engaged um, uh, my wife Jess who uh, just paid us a, a little visit before we started recording this um, she ended up going and buying me uh, she found like the first like 12 issues original issues of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles like premier condition and I'm not a comic book collector but it was it was a it was awesome um, and one of them is actually signed um, but the thing was is I I never really read the comics like I, I was very much very familiar with the TV show uh, cartoon and I was very familiar with the movies so I ended up buying the old uh, the big hardbound books that they have of those books and fell in love with the books the turtles all over again the other funny thing I would like to point out is that we she also got me the the bus with the, the DVD collection that has a the turtle van and has all the DVDs inside of it and the first thing I noticed when I started watching those cartoons April O'Neil was way more stacked than any of us ever remember. Like, <laughs> she is like three fourths boob, and like it was incredible. I was like, "Holy crap!" Like she's like the girls definitely got a pair. Like holy crap! And like, I'm not necessarily like a guy who typically objectifies women very much, but like for a cartoon character, man, she would tip over in reality. So are we? Are we all agreeing that the abortion that was the Michael Bay film doesn't exist? I haven't seen it, so I can't discuss it, you know, so... Because um, I didn't pretend it doesn't exist, because that movie made me angry. That was, like, one of the last times I got angry at a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I saw about half of it, and I was just so uninterested, I just stopped. And that yeah. almost never happens. I just... There um, was a... I think when Nickelodeon first bought the rights, they did a cg movie a few years ago it wasn't bad it wasn't special but it wasn't bad yeah that's that's kind of what my thoughts and memories of it were like i never went and watched it again but i went and saw it actually in the theaters and was like "Eh, it was it was not the turtle of my my uh my memory but it was Mm -hmm. not but i did skip ahead a little bit what are we drinking uh for this uh this particular uh issue of teenage mutant Ninja turtles um so what i actually i was trying to put it together and unfortunately i couldn't for some reason do you guys remember that stuff? It was like the Kern's Nectar juices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was trying to yeah. find them. You know, like, well, I'm sick. I want a Hawaiian Punch, Sprite, and I want Kern's Nectar. That's all I drink when I'm sick. Oh. Yeah. But I haven't been sick recently, but I just, I went looking for it because the drink I wanted to make involves mm-hmm. this Kern's Nectar stuff, and I couldn't find it anywhere. So I don't know if it's stuff if they don't do it anymore, but a long, long time ago, my buddy and I, my buddy Joey, who's kind of like, you know, he's like my Todd, basically. We've been best friends <laughs> since we were... God knows how long ago. Um, you know, I'm in Utah because of him, pretty much. Uh, but one time, we, we had all these random alcohols and drinks, and we're like, what what kind of drink could we make? And we ended up mixing vodka, amaretto, um, Kern's peach nectar, and then a little bit of grenadine, and then we added some uh, some uh, club soda, just kind of like, you know, kind of, it was really sweet, kind of make it a little bit fizzy and tone down the sweetness. 
and it looked like a glass of shit water. It really did. <laughs> and so we called it sewer water, but it was so good. And like everyone loved it. And so we, we, and we haven't made it like in a long time, but we just thought it was hilarious. So it was the nastiest looking drink I've ever seen in my life. And also one of the tastiest. I figured sewer water kind of goes along with the, the ninja theme. So. All right. Well, it with it with the turtles and their catchphrase of Calabunga. I was trying to go with that. So what I have here is some Cabo Wabo tequila. It's not quite <laughs> Calabunga, but I've got three fingers of it in a glass I've been working on. So you're a better man than I if you can drink yeah. tequila straight. I uh, that is not my forte by any stretch of the imagination. Oh no! Good yeah. for you though. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's what I have. So my Cabo Wabo Calabunga. Uh, so I, once again, um, I attempted, because I, as we have previously stated on this website, uh, I, or on this podcast, I am a terrible bartender. Um, I attempted to actually find a drink online and make it, and there's actually a drink called a Ninja Turtle. Um, and there, I think most of the episode, well, there's like two different recipes mm-hmm. that I've found, but I found one recipe twice, so that's the one I used. Um, and basically what it is, is it is two ounces of blue caracal, um, one ounce of gin, and the rest of the glass is orange juice. So it's a gin and juice with a twist, basically, is what it is. Mm. Surprisingly tasty. Like, I, like, because we'll be honest, like, most of the time when I try to make drinks, I fuck them up. Um, and they are terrible. This was actually pretty good. Um, I, you know, and I, I made, last week I made uh, Civil War. I like this better. My wife likes Civil War better. So, you know, there's that. Now, I will um, give you one warning, because I, I actually okay. make a, a really good, uh, yeah, it's called a blue mandarin twist martini, which when next time we hang out, I'll have to make it because it's okay. really, really good using blue curacao. Um, be careful, that will turn your shit green. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> Don't drink too much of it because, like, unless you like, unless you want to have a surprise the next morning, and I would just, yeah. So just keep that in mind that you you will shit green for a week if you drink too much of that. So sort of along the same lines, and this has nothing to do with comic books, but it's just a funny story. My aunt. Um, she's a terrible practical joker she might i don't know um, but she's a terrible practical joker and she loves to torture her family right like loves to do it so on uh, on uh, april fool's day she put some chemical in her husband's food in the morning that made him pee like neon green like oh neon like, so he goes to i mean and he's a very smart guy he's a he's a um a computer engineer he works for hp i think he does like printers or something like that um so if you bought an hp printer or something like that thanks for supporting my family um but uh he was at the doctor you know no, he's not a doctor he was at his office and he calls up his wife and he's like um honey can you make me a doctor's appointment and she totally knows what's going on she's like why he goes Something's wrong. What's wrong? It's it's green. What's green? My and like he's a shy dude from like a small town in Utah. Like he did not want to say that he was peeing green. And she like as soon as he admitted it to it, she just started laughing hysterically. And he was like, "You did this to me, didn't you?" <laughs> yeah, I totally did. That's awesome. I need to find out so, what that is now because I want to play tricks on people. Well, you know, we're a little past April Fool's Day, but there's always some fun going on. I probably will be able to find out what it is from her. So I don't know if, um, has the Green Turtle made it nationwide yet, or is it still a local? It must be a local thing here. So, um, it's a restaurant that started here. It's called the Green Turtle. In, um, Ocean City, Maryland. And it's kind of, 
So I don't know if, um, has the green turtle made it nationwide yet, or is it still local? It must be a local thing here. So um, it's a restaurant that started here. It's called the Green Turtle in um, Ocean City, Maryland, and it's kind of made its way around Maryland. Um, and they have this drink. It's called Hell in a Shell. So it's this giant bowl that is in the shape of a turtle shell. It's literally giant, like it's, it's huge. And they just fill it with booze and like I think like some cranberry, maybe some orange juice. But it's disgusting. It's so gross. But it gets you super fucked up. That's that's my drink for this piece of garbage you made me buy from Amazon.com. <laughs> so, so, okay, I should probably say it's not a piece of garbage. Like I, you know, it's it's kind of fun. And it's just like fun, and I'm sure like you nerd boys really like it. But it's just it's not for me. Luckily, in two weeks you're picking out the book anyway, so that's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in two weeks I get to pick. Well, yeah, because we're doing the we're doing the Marvel book that you picked. So, digging in this book, and I, I do. I mean, I have some weird nitpicky things that I would like to discuss about this issue. Mm-hmm. I will say overall, I did like this book. This book is fun, um, and uh, it's definitely not as heady and political as a lot of the other stuff we've re- talked about on this show so far. But there are a few things that don't quite make sense to me um, about it. But delving into it, this is a slightly different um, origin story for the Turtles. For those of you who are familiar with the Turtles, the Turtles, uh, you know, typically April O'Neil is a uh, newspaper reporter, reporter in this. Yeah, she works for um, a, a chemical company, medical lab of some kind. Um, the Turtles and... Um, and uh, in this book, Turtles and, um, uh, and Splinter are basically medical experiments uh, of things and uh, and that's and they end up getting the ooze there's always the ooze and so they and that's what ends up becoming them there there's a new character in this called, called uh, old hob who is the um it's a, a giant cat who through similar circumstances became a super villain kind of thing the thing I, I i have a hard time figuring out on this book and it was weird enough for me that i actually bought the next trade to try to figure it out and it still doesn't make sense is when we start out this book, it's uh, Leonardo, Donatello, and Michelangelo, and Raphael is nowhere to be found, and they're looking for him. But somehow, I believe, and I want to verify this before I say this, but I'm pretty certain Raphael introduces himself as Raphael, right? So he, and, and they go through, and basically they've been separated since they became mutants. But it never says where the hell those names came from and how he knows that his name is Raphael. I think it was, you know? April named them. I, I'm pretty sure they just might be remembering those names, you know? Mm-hmm. Does April name them? Maybe yes. I missed that. Yeah. Oh, does she? Okay. Well, so then I am partially moron and I missed that. Well, no, it's, it's a good question. I, I actually never thought about that. You actually made me rack my brain to go back and remember how it happened. Um, and I think it is kind of funny that a turtle, you know, would remember its name back before it had consciousness, really, but mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that's, that is a good point to bring up. But yeah, she... At one point, she did mention, like, oh, I named him after these four people because I'm taking art history in college right now. Okay, somehow I missed that, but that makes a lot more sense. I only um, thought it was it because I just read it again today, so don't worry. Yeah. Well, I, I read it a couple days ago, and I and one, the problem is I read the first two issues on my phone because I was sitting in the middle of rehearsal. Ah, that would do it. Yeah, somehow having a, uh, a director look over your shoulder reading the comic book to get upset, but if you're sitting there scrolling through your phone, no one's going to care, but that's modern society for you. 
Um, so, okay, so, okay, good. Then that answers my question, I'm not completely crazy. And they do, in a certain respect, not in this book, in a future book, they kind of discuss how they became ninjas, because by this book alone, mm-hmm. I was like, wait, how the hell did they become ninjas? Because the timeline on this book is a little more compressed than it is in, that you previously see in other things. Like, in the other stories, you kind of get the impression that they've been training for years, and in this book, they give you a timeline of 15 months, which seems ridiculously fast to me. Like, that's fast for even, like, a movie training marathon, a montage. Like, oh, yeah, in 15 months, they became <laughs> amazing Ninja Turtles. Oh. Well, if you have so. the trainer from Rocky, anything's possible. Yeah, I mean, and I guess if you're being trained by a giant rat, you know, it does it does pay off. But, like, that the part of where that training comes from, actually, um, mm. it does it does pay off in, in later issues. I think Adam has read some of those as well. I don't know if, Todd, if you read ahead or not at all. I haven't, so I'm just... Um, so I'm really actually I'm interested because I uh, like I had all the comics individually mm-hmm. and they were just they were in a long box and we had big shiny robot uh, once every six months to the big nerd swap me and so I was just selling my comics off because so I was like look I've read them I'm probably not going to read them again so I would just kind of get rid of them cheap because like hey let's not go have some fun let them get the first ten issues of you know um, turtles for like five bucks you know you know let yeah. them enjoy themselves um, so I. I had to pick up another trade. Like I borrowed one from a friend of mine that actually has the first twelve issues. So I can't remember okay. if the trade you guys read how many issues were in that. I thought it was six. I think ours only has four, I believe. Okay, well, I just read the first. Um, I read ahead a little bit, and if we want to discuss that, we can. But um, so that has- actually, okay, that that's why because that the the very next issue explains where they how they learned their power so much so much quickly and everything else. So. Um, if you want to know that, definitely keep reading. And I, I do strongly recommend to keep reading because it's an excellent series. Uh, they, the way they pull in like Krang and the Shredder and the Foot Clan um, is awesome. But I do love with this origin story that they didn't just sit there and be like, okay, so, you know, 18 months ago, the turtles were here and then it follows them step by step through the whole process to present day. Mm. I'm a big fan that it starts out with they're fighting old Hob, they're looking for Raphael, and then you flash back for four or five pages to when they were still turtles. And then you flash forward to what Raphael is doing now and how he meets Casey Jones. And then the next issue is still telling that story going back and forth. I think it's a great way to, you know, keep the audience interested, but also tell an origin story without sitting there and being like, you know, four score and 20 years ago, we need to lay this foundation. I mean, let's tell the story as we're going instead of bogging it down with a bunch of exposition that we all kind of already know the answer to. I completely agree. I liked with that Tarantino kind of style of changing it up of the timeline, but these are characters we all know. So introducing Casey Jones and the Turtles and Splinter and all of that, you have this, we know these people, we're getting it out of the way. At the same time, it's not quite as contrived and rushed, but it really is happening very quickly. And I did that a lot. Listen, I love a good rewrite of history. That's fine. Um, I just feel like it... It just it just added so much that I, I mean once again maybe maybe I'm wrong maybe this is the closer to the the original than I think it is but April O'Neil not being a TV reporter which April O'Neil in that ugly yellow jumpsuit is still <laughs> it just, it just it just is one of the most amazing character designs ever <laughs> um, and making her like this kind of mousy. A, you know, scientist person, which 
makes no sense. And then this weird guy with a beard who continues to try to flirt with her, and like she's freaked out by the rat. Not a fan of that. Second thing is the the story opens with them fighting the cat guy, Old Hob, mm-hmm. and you're just like, first of all, you're like, wait, who the hell is this cat guy, and why is he calling them freaks? And it's like, dude, you're a fucking talking cat. What are you talking about? Who wears an eye patch? Like, are you, like, are you kidding me right now? And and to then you know find out later that he also was exposed to the ooze, and that's why he hates them, and blah blah blah. I was like. So now there's a cat, too. So it's the rat, the four turtles, and then the cat. And, like, the, this whole first arc of trying to find Raphael, and I'm like, did they just become the Ninja Turtles yesterday? Is that why Raphael is still lost? Like, did it literally, like, just happen? But it's like, no, this happened, like, a year and a half ago. It's like, really? There's a green turtle missing who is the size of a person, and you haven't been able to find him for a year. <laughs> Shut up, Ben. Ben said we saw that sound big, but <laughs> with some color commentary. I know, right? Great for aubergine. Um, um, that's cigarette. And anyway, so uh, you know, I'm just like, who, who is this cat? I don't, I don't get it. And then within like the first issue, we have Casey Jones, and I'm like, okay, listen, I understand Casey Jones is a fairly popular character. Like a lot of the, a lot of the, you know kids like him because you know he's like this jock guy who's also like this badass who wears a hockey mask and beats people up with sports equipment like I get it but I'm just like do we need to have him this soon so like April O'Neil like we see him like the first like book and then like that's it like I thought she was supposed to be the sidekick not Casey Jones because that's what we need we need more male characters anyway (laughs) continuing to rant just, just gave me the most rantastic books this week. Yeah, and actually, compared to the original books, because I have read the original books relatively recently, this is actually kind of a big step forward in storytelling in general. I have to say, like it's, hmm. um, I like, like I like the originals, and I will continue to read the originals because I want to kind of read all of that just for history's sake and because I do enjoy it. <laughs> but this this version of Turtles is actually kind of a little bit better. The art's better. The storytelling is a little bit better. The other one, and it has a sort of the same amount of fun. The other, the older books kind of feel like um, that it's a, a story of, you know, or it's a bunch of, it's the guys writing and basically kind of pulling out whatever craziness they can come up with. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, well, here, we'll come up with this sort of stuff. And in here, it almost feels like it's kind of tied in together. Like, oh, yeah, okay, so Casey Jones, rather than being some random kid or random dude, now he's a kid, you know what I mean? And he's yeah. tied to these characters because Raphael helps him out and that kind of thing. And so, like, this kind of, in a, in a way, like, although it's reinventing the wheel, it's kind of a, a, a step forward. And I would almost say if you hadn't read the original Ninja Turtles, this might be a better place to jump in at, you know, just for fun. You know, if you because, I mean, it's like we said before, this is not, you know, life-changing, life-altering stuff, but it is very fun. And uh, I do like, you know, how this is handled. So... Yeah, I mean, they, they completely retconned the whole thing, and, and not just where the turtles came from and everything else, but <clears throat> like you mentioned before, April O'Neil is a completely different character. She's not a reporter. She's a college student who's interning at the, um, at, uh, what the hell is the name of the place? Uh, Stockton. Uh, Master Stockman is the owner of Stockton. He's, yeah. you know, not some mad scientist. He actually he is a respectable scientist who unfortunately made some deals with some military people he shouldn't have, and it pulls in the idea of, like, the mutagen is a super serum, kind of like, you know, Captain America had, um, 
like you said, Casey Jones is a you know, college-age kid, uh, mm-hmm. and then he got to fighting because he's a good hockey player and he can hit the puck really well. So I think it's really fun seeing these reimagination, but at the same time, you get their same um, character traits. Like, you know, Michelangelo is still like the wise-ass, and Raphael is still kind of moody, and Leonardo's mm-hmm. trying to be the leader, and Don's just out there doing stuff and science-y. But there's some great scenes where they're arguing about what they should do, and even though Leonardo is still the de facto leader of the Turtles when they're out and about, um, they're brothers. They argue like brothers, and they quarrel, and they like they fight over stuff. And it's not like, oh, we're the leader because you say so. We're not just going to do what you want. Um, mm-hmm. And it gives you kind of more of a family and a family aspect that you didn't maybe get from definitely not the movies or like the old school cartoon um and from what i remember of the original comics that wasn't there quite as much either i mean the idea of family with splinter and the turtles themselves is very very paramount and very front and center um the fact where he says like you know if you lose your family you have nothing left and that's an idea that really wasn't found in previous books um, or previous iterations of these characters you kind of mentioned about the previous books i think part of what you kind of realize that helps me kind of uh figure out what I meant to say about that is like is the previous books kind of is almost one note like all the characters all the turtles are almost interchangeable it's just whatever one decides that he's actually going to say something at that point in time you know mm-hmm. the way they're written whereas this one each turtle has their own strength I mean and, and a little bit that's taken from the, the TV show as well you can kind of see a nice interesting integration between all of the previous incarnations of the turtles kind of being brought into this comic where you know they take a little bit of this and take a little bit of that but I, for the most part it feels like the good stuff you know that the um each turtle kind of has a little bit more of its own personality um they use their you know and, and they their, their fighting style is a little more different based on their personality in this book um which definitely wasn't done in the uh, in the original series at least not in the early books i haven't finished all of that so i can't necessarily comment on if they get to it later and and, and so so then uh, like i the Okay, so something that I did like, something that I did like, I did appreciate the sort of like subplot undertone of the whole like, war, like the quote war that's happening, and um, that it's Krang is like the general, and I'm like, ooh, am I gonna see the brain guy inside, you know, inside of a robot? Because that's mm-hmm. pretty freaking cool. So you know, they're they're already bringing that guy in. So I was like, okay, like, you know, I kind of like that, because, you know, we still haven't seen him yet, it's kind of all this, ooh, what's going on, like, what are they going to do with him, and then, and then once again, like, the ninjas are there, but, like, the ninjas aren't the bad guys yet, they, like, literally just kind of appear and then go away, and it's like, oh, well, is this the Foot Clan, are these guys with Krang, like, you know, like, that's kind of, that's kind of intriguing, but, like, um, but so, speaking of the the brotherly aspect of it, since I don't have any actual brothers, uh, is, is if you had brothers, Todd, would would you guys become the Ninja, Ninja Turtles? And how representative of that? Well, you do have brothers. I know you have brothers, but how representative <laughs> of uh, of uh, of the of the bond that brothers have does this book, you know, play up? You know. Well, it's interesting. I've got one brother that's really near my age. I have another one that's um, six years older than I am. And I've got a cousin, and he has 17 years apart between his youngest brother and him, which is just crazy amount. For my um, brother that's close to my age, I would say there's a lot of truth in the fact, because you always have the, um, there's the me too, or you go do that with your brother as well. And you're always together. And by nature of that, you become each other's best friend and nemesis all at the same time. So you're there for each other, but you're also constantly on each other. And you make yourself better and tougher and at the same time crazier with that. <laughs> so 
With the brother gone, you definitely miss them. But at the same time, when they're throwing a tantrum and they want to walk away, you're like, yeah, go walk away. I want to miss you for a while. So um, I understand the quest and the look for Raphael. It's um, part of them is just kind of missing. And I really get that. Okay. Adam, do you have any brothers? Um, I do. I have two younger brothers, uh, but I'm kind of in the same boat. Well, actually, like like Todd mentioned, like my, um, I was the oldest. And so my brother Kevin came along when I was five. And then Joel came along when I was seven or eight. So I didn't really have, I mean, yeah, my brothers, I kind of was more almost the caretaker than a true brother because I was old enough at that point to change diapers and help feed them and take care of them. And uh, as they got, I got older to babysit them and when my parents needed to do something. So, I mean, obviously I love my brothers and, you know, they're my family, but we never really had that close kind of connection that you've had with, you mentioned with yours, mm-hmm. um, just because there was an age difference. Once I was 14 and they were like, you know, nine and seven, I mean, puberty hits and all of a sudden it just your whole life changes and you just become a different person almost because everything's going crazy inside of you and you can't I mean you can look back and be like oh they're stupid kids and you kind of almost wish you could be that innocent kid still you don't have to worry about peer pressure or you know everything else going on so yeah that was that was kind of the one drawback with having brothers who were much younger than me because I didn't get a chance to really go through that like you know we were yeah we, we would play magic cards together and then later on we play Star Wars cards together um but it was never like, hey, I can't wait to go hang out with my brother. I mean, the only time we ever did that was he came to visit up here six, seven years ago and for uh, for New Year's. And that was the first time we actually really hung out and got to do stuff for a week and just be brothers. But he's in California, I'm up here, so it's we, we talk often enough, but that divide is still there. It's kind of, it's just kind of weird because I don't sense that with my family. And that's just the, the way my family is. It's not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just that age difference um, makes a big difference. Mm. Yeah, I mean, my, I mean, I have just one sister, but like, um, kind of hearing Todd talk about his brother, like, I, up until, and you talk about the, the purity thing where everything changes, I think up until then, and Todd can attest that, my sister just kind of, you know, tagged along with all of us. She was one of the guys for quite a long time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, not, I mean, she was a little bit tomboyish, but not terribly. I mean, she was a cheerleader and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and now she's uh, a very good Mormon mother of four kids. Um, Why it's not? Yeah, but 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 she's. I, I I have to say I love her because she is very realistic and I mean she's hilarious. But yeah, I mean I kind of had a little bit of that same bond. So I guess there is there is a, a universal sort of symbol uh, like sibling kind of thing. I kind of oddly enough growing up, I always felt like I would be tougher if I had brothers. You know what I mean? Someone picked on me a little bit. Like I always felt like because I had a sister, I was a little bit not as tough. But as I get older, I don't necessarily know if that's true or not because. And it might just be a generational thing because I, I have to work with millennials on occasion and they will cry at the drop of the hat and I'm like, dude, you seriously need to tough it up. Like, and, uh, <laughs> and see, that was the problem with having younger brothers was that if I was trying to, you know, roughhouse or like, quote unquote, pick on them, which I wasn't doing anything bad. It was just like, oh, yeah. you look stupid. They would go run and cry to mom because that would be me to be and that. And then the opposite thing was is that I, I was very, very good at school. And I was, you know, I mean, I would get straight A's and all this kind of fun stuff. And then my brother would go to the same class I had years later with the same teacher, and I was like, well, why can't you be more like Adam? And he's like, because I'm fucking not. <laughs> so, but I never had that end of it. I had the whole, like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, so I don't understand what that's like, so that's, but, uh, yeah, so there was, there was some, I guess, competition there in the sense that I, you know, I had, I was a, the first one out there, so I had to be the first and best at everything. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But at the same time, I didn't have any pressure of living up to something else. I had my parents' expectations, which were insanely high, and I would get pissed when I would you know, actually have a hard test and study my ass off and get a B plus. And I'd get in trouble for a B plus. A B plus was a bad grade for me. But if Kevin studied really hard and got a C minus, so they'd go by him a toy. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I got a B plus. Oh, you didn't study hard enough. Bitch, I studied for three hours. <laughs> yeah. And no, I don't call my mom a bitch. That was just a joke, so. No, I totally hear you. I was just growing up. My brother's just a little bit younger, but it was always, you're too young, you're too young. Oh, now you're old enough. And since you're at it, take your brother with you. And that was always a real like, really, really? I wasn't well? old enough at his age, but he is. What's up with that? And they're like, yeah, it's easier for us. And you're like, mm. And plus at that time, they're, they're done. Like with the, when the third, fourth, whatever kid comes around, they're like, uh, like I had homemade baby food and cloth diapers. My little brother <laughs> given a bottle of soda and a bag of Cheerios. Like, don't have fun, kid. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to pick on me, you want to come in here for a second? My wife decided to try to do a ninja move on me and try to poke me in the bum while I'm on the, the show. <laughs> so I was like, if you want to talk sibling rivalry, you can talk about my, my wife and her sister. There's some very interesting sibling rivalry going on there, uh, which kind of plays in. But, you know. So my first issue with this comic book is the art. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Like, that, that's my number one issue. Because like, I kind of dig had, it, actually. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I had some of the original um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic books. The, the, mm-hmm. each, each one of us, me and, me and my three brothers, there are four of us, we each had, like, one trade paperback, which it was not really a trade paperback. It was more like a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And uh, the one that I had was when the Ninja Turtles were sent to some alternate... I can't remember if it was, like, if it was another planet or if it was an alternate yeah. timeline. But, um, about, yeah. it was like wizardry and stuff and there was the one girl who like had like the blue outfit on mm-hmm. um, but anyway so I had that and that this this art just seems so so pedestrian I'm just not I'm, I'm just not feeling it I also even though that I know that you know the original comic books the um, Ninja Turtles all had the red um masks instead of the different colors uh-huh. but they're different shades of green and that's how we're supposed to tell them apart aside from what weapon they're holding mm-hmm. it, it gets it gets confusing and then I and then when they have to continually on panel call each other by name so that way you know which fucking one is talking it's kind of kind of like oh that's right because they all look exactly the same it's kind of funny because this book is actually so much fun it's almost harder to find topics to talk about because, like, it, it, it's not delving into deep, hard issues, but it is, um, you know, it is a, a very good thing. I will say um, the art on this book is interesting because the original series, I felt like, almost felt sketch, sketchy to me. Like, it didn't feel like it was completely finished all the time. It had a lot of energy to it, and I feel like this is a... This book has, it has that kind of energy to it. It's not as completely, like perfect like um, we discussed in Civil War where it had some of the art that was like a little bit overly produced um, mm. but it's clean enough that it still looks good it's a, a fun book um, it's fun to read but it's, it's not like it's not high art and it's not insanely beautiful but it's really it's well done and it's fun it's kind of my thought on that well I think um, god like you know the, the original one that was it was very almost uh, um, gorilla printing for comics I mean if you look at it I, I mean I'm looking at actually the first 
issue ever back in 84, 85. I mean, for all I know, they might have self-published. I mean, because there's no... They did the f- first few issues. Yeah. They did a little research on that, but yeah. So, so I mean, it was, it was very much a different world back then. I mean, and there's so many stories about how the... You know how it came to be. I mean, you know how they invented it. One said, "Oh, they were drunk and passed out, and realized he drew something when he was, you know, really, really drunk." And then, "Oh, well, let's make this a comic." Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so it, you look at now, like IDW is a, is a fairly. I mean, they're not like Marvel or DC, but they're a fairly large publishing company, so they're going to have more standards in place. But um, yeah, it, comparing it's almost comparing apples and oranges because they're just completely different. I mean, the same characters there, but they're done so differently. Um, I love the art in this. I think uh, they does, does a great job of uh, filling action. So mm-hmm. they can be there. They can be having their third, like little one-liners, and or maybe even having a serious conversation. Um, but even with the thought, the thought bubbles and everything else, the action's still mm-hmm. very, very front and center. You can see what's going on, um, and it's almost realistic despite being in a comic book but mm-hmm. uh, yeah it's, it's it's fabulously done um, the art's amazing and again reading it again today it was just again and again like holy crap this is an amazingly well done action comic it is and the other thing I, I mean speaking of the art a little bit more as well um, it actually has a, it does a really good job more than you would kind of imagine of portraying like emotions and um, and uh, personality through facial features and things like that of Ninja Turtles, you know what I mean? Which is like, mm-hmm. they're a fairly big, you know, big round head. And actually, when I was younger, one of my proudest moments was when I kind of looked at a cereal box because I had the Ninja Turtle cereal box, a uh, cereal because how would you not? Um, it was basically like checks with, uh, uh, which were the Ninja Nets, mm-hmm. and, um, yep. and uh, the uh, uh, marshmallows, you know, that had different Ninja Turtles on it. But I drew. A Ninja Turtle, like I figured out how to draw it. I probably could still do it to this day, and that was a very proud moment of it. So, the original Ninja Turtle design is not terribly complicated, but yeah. they do a really good job of conveying emotion. Looking through this, like you get a sense of personality from each one of the characters um, through the art, which is actually pretty impressive considering um, what they have to deal with there. I'm looking at it. Yeah, I've got one in front of me as well. The um. The action and the energy, it always seems very kinetic. And with it, it is a little bit rough. It's not quite as polished, but I really do um, enjoy the artwork of that. One of my favorite things with this whole comic was Old Hob, I think is an introduction and retconning in and like an origin story of a villain was beautifully done. Cause you oh, yeah. absolutely understand what he has and why he doesn't like them and the beef that he has with them. I thought Old Hob was a, is a fantastic villain and naturally so. And it doesn't seem quite so forced. It's like, oh, I completely understand why he has a thing out against these guys. Yeah. So. Well, and it ties into that same thing we kind of discussed back when we did um, The Killing Joke, where there is a, a, a very strong association between the heroes and the villains. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, they're basically created. I mean, in this situation, they're literally created from the same environment. You know, that they come from the, the, the same aspect of, I mean, they're both, you know, animals that are... are hit by the ooze and all that kind of stuff which I think is also very fun and it, I mean Old Hob is a brand new character for this story and uh, you know it's nice that you know when they bring in a new character and not use an old standby that that new mm-hmm. character is as interesting and engaging as <clears throat> the old ones mm-hmm. so someone who hasn't read beyond this first trade and I was going through it he, um, you've got Splinter as still the small rat going after that one ninja and biting him and I almost can see, is that going to be the origins of Shredder later on? Because he's just messing up his face as this ninja is just freaking out on him. 
Ask me no questions and I will tell you no lies. <laughs> no. But you see that right there and they're interesting thing and they're just sowing the seeds well. And I really do think the um, the Ninja Turtles are very fun, but the storytelling is really quite top notch. So they took a light subject, but it's a top notch and it's tight and nothing feels wasteful in it at all. No, I, I agree. I mean, I think overall it's an incredibly well done comic. How did this cat guy, again, I'm calling back to this cat guy. How does Cat Guy get like this gang of thugs? Because I'm pretty sure, once again, this is kind of like killing jokes. Like if I'm a giant cat guy trying to recruit a gang of people to go fight Ninja Turtles, they'll be like, hi, I'm a giant cat. Yes, I wear an eye patch. Would you like to join my gang? Like it, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Because once again, he's a giant fucking talking cat. So, like, I would be weirded out. And, like, Casey Jones seems, like, totally cool that he's talking to a turtle. Like, that's totally normal. Totally a normal thing to do. I don't know. It's just... Um, so, so, here's the thing, because everyone probably has one. Which Ninja Turtle do you identify with the most and why? So we'll start with you, Adam. Oh, that's a tough one. You know, now that I put you on the spot entirely. <laughs> if you, if you would have said, asked me, like, ten years ago, I would have said Donatello, because I've always been a huge science nerd. I've always loved science stuff, and I, I still do. I mean, I, I go read stuff about quantum physics for fun. Um, but I more and more, I, I, I got to go with Michelangelo just because I love being a smartass. <laughs> and we got uh, to dinner last night for a friend's birthday, and we went to this really nice restaurant up here called The Five Alls. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, so it's, it's got the worst parking lot in the whole of Utah. There's literally three spaces. <laughs> But I mean, it's like it's a it's like an old English pub, and you go in there, and it's a huge like the, the meal takes three hours. It's a five course meal they bring out to you, and it was really really good and fun. Mm-hmm. But we're sitting there, and I, I meet yeah, we're just going off, and like I, I feel bad for my friend because every time she'd take a bite of something, I would inadvertently say something horrible that would just make her choke on her food because she was laughing so hard. Um, and yeah, I just but yeah, I, I just, the humor is such a big part of my life, and you know, I've mentioned before to people, you know. It's, Part of my growing up and then eventually coming out was you kind of develop a thick skin and I've used humor a lot in my life to decompress and de-escalate situations. So I think that just becomes such a, a huge part of who I am that I can't not be humorous. I mean, I can be serious when need be, but I'm gonna make a dick joke afterwards. So mm-hmm. I think I would definitely have to go with Michelangelo for that. Okay, uh, Todd. You know, growing up and everything, I always wanted to be like Raphael. And he's just this moody, brooding guy, and he just seems really cool. But in all reality, I'm more like Donatello. And with it, I am with the science and the nerd and the watching of those things. But and he's really kind of the um, of the bunch of the group. He ties them together. You've got Leonardo who is a leader, and people's like, "Hey, follow me." And you have Michelangelo always making the wisecracks, and you've got Raphael being the um, one with the stand more than anything else. You have Raphael out for social justice as much as anything else. But Donatello, in his quieter way, really keeps them all together, and he's kind of the glue between those three. And, yeah, I find myself oftentimes not quite the vocal one as much as everything else, but it's really great in that regard. I wish I was Raphael, but I'm not. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Your description of that actually made me change my opinion slightly on my own thought on that whole thing. Because, like, I think growing up and even up to like up until you were talking, I would say that I totally identified with Don, Donatello. I mean, because mm-hmm. frankly, part of my job is dealing with gadgets. Like, that's literally what I do. Is I make gadgets, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know, I'm kind of that guy. But 
as you kind of, and, and, but on the flip side, I definitely have, for most of my life, used humor as a way of uh, keeping myself from getting into trouble. I learned very young that uh, if I could make my mom laugh, I got in far less trouble. Um, so um, I've always been a bit of a smartass, but like, as you're describing it, I might unfortunately be more Leonardo. Like, that's part of my job is to kind of, uh, you know, take on a project and guide everyone. And I don't think I'm necessarily as blind of a believer in what I'm doing as Leonardo is, but like, that might be a little bit more what I do, you know, that might, I, I don't know. I, I identify in little ways with almost all of them except for Raphael. Um, I never viewed Raphael as brooding as a kid. I always thought he was kind of an asshole. And, uh, <laughs> like, that was kind of one of those things where I was just like, and I guess, I mean, like, he is probably intended to be, like, the cool, brooding James Dean of the Ninja mm-hmm. Turtles, but, like, as a kid, I don't necessarily know if you identify with that. But as a teenager, totally, it makes sense. Like, you would totally dig into that. But, like, as a child, looking at him, I'm like, wow, that guy's an asshole. Like, he's just really cranky all the yeah. time. Like, you know, which is kind of interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, that aside, then we'll go a little bit weirder question. Which human character do you think you would most identify with in the Ninja Turtle world? However you see it, you can specify through the, um, uh, like, movies, TV show, however you want to go with it. Like, which character do you think that you kind of... If, if you were in the Ninja Turtle universe, which which of these people would you probably be? Um, I, I going back to my statement from the last two episodes, which is the right theme. I'd be Casey <laughs> Jones. Um, oh yeah. Again, just my whole thing that you know life isn't fair, but it's just. And you know, if I'm going to be a character who's delivering justice, that's that's he's kind of that way. So, because yeah, there's like, you look at the human characters, and I mean, especially in this. You know, in, in the one we just read, I mean, there's really only April, Baxter Stockman, and the, the lab tech guy. I mean, there's really no one else. Um, well, and Casey, but yeah. And Casey, yeah. So, that's, so there isn't too much of a choice, but yeah, going through the whole thing, I mean, again, he was he was, he was kind of the smart ass as well, um, but he also, you know, dispensed justice his own way. Yes, Todd? You know, I think I might be the David Arquette guy. Unfortunately, but with watching it, you, he's David the. Arquette, um, hold on, refresh my Who's the David Arquette guy? He's in the new Ninja Turtles movie. I didn't finish, so. Oh, okay. No, nope, uh, I lied. It's not him. It's the. Um, he was on Arrested Development. Uh, which Ninja Turtles movie? Are we talking about the? Uh, the new one. The 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 most, the, the, one. the most recent one that we're not talking about that was made by. Yeah. Okay, so I have no frame of reference, unfortunately. Well, basically, that. he's the uh, videographer. Okay. So you've got April O'Neil who's working away and doing her thing, but he's the one watching everything. I'm a, I'm a bit of a wallflower at the end of the okay. day. So, I mean, in his own way, he's the Horatio of the group. <laughs> okay. So I don't want to give him too much credit, but yeah, he's kind of the Horatio of the group. He sees everything and he's going to write one hell of a story at the end of it all, but he's just really part of the periphery. I hate to say it, but I think that I might be the uh, the bad pizza delivery guy in the Secret of the News. Like that's my terrible fear. Like you know, like just kind of along for the ride, and you know, or no. in worst case scenario, even worse, I might be Vanilla Ice in Secret of the News. Oh God, no, no. Be... Okay, so then I mean, just because we're talking Ninja Turtles, and this just kind of mm-hmm. to me, they have a, a varied and interesting rogues gallery a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And if, if it were, and we're not saying in the comics, because, I mean, you can kind of argue however they do with stuff, but if it were a real-life thing, 
which which part of the rogues gallery do you think would be actually most frightening? And, and you can pull anything from, you know, movies, TVs, or comics, or whatever. What, what would be most terrifying to have, you know, coming down the street at you? Bebop and Rocksteady. I mean, they're such goofy guys, but they're kind of terrifying in their own way. Cartoon or Secret of the Ooze Bebop, Bebop, Bebop and Rocksteady? No, I'm going to go with the cartoon. Okay. You know, they're, they're silly in their own way, but if you really saw them coming down the street and everything else, they're, always going, they're such a great compliment. And they're like the turtles who um, didn't have a splinter to guide them in their own way. So they're like the Beavis and Butthead. It's okay. <laughs> Bebop and Rocksteady. So, so infinite power and infinite stupidity. Yeah. Terrifying. No, I can see that completely. I can see that. Yeah. Adam, what's your thought? Uh, I'd probably go with Krang, but Krang when he's in his big humanoid yeah. robot thing, because I mean that thing is big as fuck and can shoot lasers up your ass. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that you know that's because I don't know. Like, it's, it, Krang's always played off as the, like, the you know is the leader of the, of the Dimension X and the Technodrome and everything else, and mm-hmm. it's almost kind of like his lackey. Then uh, mm-hmm. that's even though in, in the end, like you know in the end it's always Shredder you fight, but I'll always remember. Uh, in the original digital arcade game, which I actually did beat in the arcade, Krang was almost a bigger bitch to fight than Shredder because Shredder could kill you in one hit, but it was easy to dodge. Mm-hmm. Whereas Krang, you had like he had more. You'd fight him for ten minutes before you oh, finally yeah. went down. And like I, I spent twice as many quarters on him as I would with uh, a Shredder. So as much as Shredder is my favorite bad guy in the series, uh, I think Krang would be the one I'd be more scared to see. But also, there's a there's a huge fucking brain with arms living inside this little human thing. It's almost like Honey Boo Boo next to her mom. Yeah. <laughs> did you ever play, um, I'll answer the question in a second, but did you ever play the, uh, the Super Nintendo Ninja Turtles game, which I think was an arcade version where like, the game was easy enough to win that it would actually time how long it took you to beat it. Was it Turtles in Time? It yeah. might have been, I don't know where it would run that oh, timer and then like, and so you like, and I think you could beat it in about 45 minutes if you were really hustling. Like you could really like if you through everything. I remember playing that game at a friend's house a bunch. I actually kind of have this this terrible fear. Like, I think the mousers would be terrifying. Like an army yeah, of little small sense. robots coming out the street. Like that would be kind of horrifying. Um, but uh, yeah, and like the thing too is is Krang in the video games and in the comic books is far more terrifying. In uh, in the comic books than he is in the, in the cartoon. Going back and watching the cartoon a couple times, he is basically just like a muscle tw- or a mustache twirling, you know, villain in those. Like, and he's he's kind of inept. But I mean, it is a cartoon, and they can't really do much of anything. But uh, he he's a wee bit inept in that book or in the in the cartoon series. So the thing that cracks me up is that like you hated almost all the stuff that we liked when we recorded, which kind of cracks me. Oh, up. did you really? Yeah, which is beautiful <laughs> because even at the end of it, Adam's like. Man, we gotta come up with a book we all just like we all you know don't disagree on because we're all like yeah it's cool yeah we like this whatever and then all of a sudden so now I'm gonna have you be like this is bullshit what the fuck <laughs> this is going is all, on this is all terrible <laughs> well cool we're we're getting close to the end here uh, you guys have any uh, imparting thoughts on uh, this little gem here um, I, I could say one thing you know keep reading it it gets it's it gets better and better um, as much as I enjoyed the initial comics in this trade. Uh, they're still very much kind of finding their footing and seeing where they can go in the story. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and this is one actually I do want to, I want to pick up and start reading again. What always happens is I get very, really busy during the holidays with work and 
everything else. So like my hold gets built up and I go in and I go through everything. And I'm like, okay, what won't I miss? Cause I didn't read these things for like a month. I'm like, okay, I've got to read this, 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 and this. And with that one, it just, I got too busy. But uh, rereading it again, made me want to go revisit it and go check it out. So stay with it. It's a great series. Um, I'm, can give it yeah, about a four or five. I mean, again, it's not perfect, but I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, it's definitely a much lighter read than what we've been going through uh, and what we'll probably be going through in the next coming weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's nice to have something that's fun. I mean, the same thing, like, I love reading the Star Wars series. It's just, it's nice to have fun and not sit there and brood and be all, you know, negative with your comics. Hey, Todd. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I've only read the first four, but it reminds me of the best parts of childhood as much as yeah. anything else. It's like, oh yeah, being a kid was awesome. And this was it. I mean, even with the Turtles arcade game, I remember a 10th birthday party with a friend. The four of us, we went to an arcade and we sat there and we just grinded our way through the entirety of the Turtles arcade game. And the more we talk about it, the more everything keeps coming back. And it just brings a little happiness and joy. As good as that is, it doesn't diminish the old in any way. So yeah, I really enjoyed this. Okay, well, we'll just give it out of five. Four. I'd give this one a four out of five because of it, of everything with it. Yeah. Wait, we need to pick a comic we're divided on so one of us can hate on it while the rest like it. <laughs> uh, there's a couple coming up that I, I have a feeling we're going to discuss because there was a few that recommended to me that I was like, okay, I would like to read this just because I didn't understand what the fuck was going on in that book and I want someone to explain it to me because I didn't necessarily get it. Um, sure. I would actually give this a five. Like, I freaking love this book and I was super happy that it got uh, inter- like introduced to me and I a lot of the same reasons I've been discussed like, and, and I think Todd said it really well like this is some of the best parts of your childhood especially if you grew up with the Ninja Turtles it's slightly different than you remember it but it will bring back all those fun memories of how awesome the turtles are and how much you loved them and just you know hopefully wipe away some of those bad feelings that the, uh, the movies may have left for you although it's terrible but the original movie still holds a strong place in my heart um I, I still kind of want a uh, an abandoned warehouse in New York where I can go skateboarding inside. I don't know why. That's just something that always seems really awesome. Um, with a, a young Sam Rockwell introducing me to the place and offering me cigarettes. That's really what I want. Um, <laughs> and yes, that is Sam Rockwell. Go back and watch the film, kids. That's wow. Exactly that is. Yeah, there you go. A little cameo. He's the one who gives the tour of the uh, little lost island for foot soldiers there. Well, great. Um, yeah, you know, we all obviously hated this book. It was a horrible experience for all of us. It was. I just don't read um, it as far away as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't a fan. I would probably not read any more of this unless we decided to read part two as a future book. Um, yeah, just no thanks. I'll just, I, I literally would rather stick to the pizza eating, cowabunga spewing Ninja Turtles of my youth. Okay. End of rant. <laughs> Anything further I need to talk about? Um, <laughs> but I'm sure, is there any other point that you guys talked about the other day that I should uh, that I should comment on? You kind of destroyed some of our conversations, which is hilarious <laughs> and going to be amazing. Because what's going to end up happening inevitably is I'm going to edit this together and be like, yeah, this is good, this is great. You're like, this is so fucking stupid. They're like... I like I listen like I still loved it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna backtrack on it. I still thought this book was fun as hell. Uh, and, uh, well, 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 good. Well, you know, once again, to each their own. I'm gonna have to shot a fireball now. Okay. <laughs> I wish I had a hell on the show. Well, cool. Uh, and you got any recommendations for this week? 
Um, to kind of stay with the same theme, if anyone plays Hero Clicks, the new Ninja Turtle Hero Clicks just came out. Um, and it's cool because they're based on the comic and also the cartoon. And the chase figures, so the ones that everyone's trying to go after, are the turtles, but they're like the black and white versions of them. So like from the original comic. Um, and like they got Krang and everything else. And I haven't had a chance to play with them too yet, but the, uh, the one fun thing is you got the foot soldiers and you got a billion of them. And like every single one of this guy's got the bow. Um, mm-hmm. So for podcast world who you can't see this, yours that's amazing. <laughs> um, but you got this one and this one over here, he's got like nunchucks. And then you got a guy over here with like a sigh. So they really kind of made sure that it's a lot of fun. It's a cool set. Um, and I already spent way too much money on it, so I should start playing it. But it's, it's a lot of fun. And it really captures the spirit of the character. So. Mm-hmm. Rock on. Um, Todd? You know, I think I'm going to go ahead and um, there's a trade out. It's called Elmer. And what it is, it's a comic where uh, chickens gain sentience, and then all of a sudden, chickens and humanity kind of meld into society and everything that goes into that. It's silly and interesting. I mean, like, the opening thing is you've got this uh, chicken basically beating off to the thought of this naked woman, and you don't realize it's a chicken until the pivotal moment, and you're just like, what the hell am I reading? (laughs) So bizarre, I'm going to keep going. So... Yeah, I suggest giving Elmer a read. Uh, from experience, I can say that many of the recommendations I get from Todd are like that. It's like, what the hell am I reading? <laughs> oh, this is really good, though. Like, that's, 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 a, that's a pretty common occurrence for me. Um, yeah, uh, I, well, you know what? It's an alcohol. I just barely tried it. Literally, I went to the store and I bought it. It looked kind of interesting. It's okay. Um, if you're into it, I, I'm just trying. It's from um, a distillery or brewery called Ace in California. And it is a pineapple hard cider, so I'm not necessarily much of a beer drinker, um, but I do like like the hard ciders and whatnot. This is pineapple flavored. It's pretty good. Yeah. Not a ton of booze in it. If you're looking to get drunk, this is not the thing for you. Um, but it's not bad. Um, and I drank it through this episode, and uh, it's pretty good. So um, since it's pineapple cider, it's pretty cool. It's pretty good. Like uh, I might have to bring some up to Utah when I come out. Um, but uh, yeah, it's. It's uh, it's refreshing. It's uh, it's nice. I uh, so yeah. We'll call that my uh, my recommendation for tonight. Do you uh, do you have any recommendations? So, I mean, it doesn't have to be comic books. It can be good movies you've seen or whatever. Movies, booze. Zootopia was super fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> Were you uh, drunk when you saw Zootopia? Oh. I'm sorry. What? Were you drunk when you saw Zootopia? No, no, no. I saw it with, um, with my niece. Oh, okay. When, uh, so I also saw Jungle Book recently, which mm-hmm. was okay. Okay. It was, it, it was, it was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was a live version of the animated one, but they, like, tried to do some of the songs, but then didn't do other ones, so it was just really disjointed, like, they tried to play up King Louie as this really kind of scary character, and, but they still had him sing... Um, the, I want to be like uh, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to be like you, and it's just like, listen, I get the Christopher Walken, and so it's like funny to have him sing the song, but it doesn't make sense. Like the King Louis character was mostly funny in the in the original um, Disney movie, and then like have a little bit creepy. Whereas mm-hmm. like this, they just they shot him out like super creepy, and, like you're like, oh, he's ominous. Like this is this is dangerous. But then, nope, totally <laughs> like. And then, like, Ka was actually, like, kind of scary. 
And I was really hoping that they were going to have Scarlett Johansson sing, but she eventually did record the song for the soundtrack, but then didn't. And then Bill Murray actually was very well cast as mm -hmm. Blue, and that, and that was funny. But, like, they just kind of kind of played it singing um, Bare Necessities, which mm -hmm. was like, eh. Yeah, you know, they were floating in the river, and, you know, that, that was cute. But for, for the most part, I really wasn't all, all that into it. But, I mean, it was... It was okay. I prefer mm -hmm. the the original Disney animated movie to to this new live action. Although the interesting thing was though that it was completely filmed on a soundstage. Yeah, I, I yeah, heard yeah, an interview yeah, about that. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah, it was completely filmed in LA, which yeah, which is which is a boy, which is interesting, very very interesting, but. Hmm. So uh, I think that'll do it for us right now. Um, if anybody has any parting thoughts? Uh, uh, what do we got on deck for next week? Uh, next week, I think we are going to be doing um, Preacher because we will have the TV show will be premiering shortly thereafter. So we're going to do the first book of Preacher, um, which is called Gone to Texas. And yes. uh, depending on how that goes, Preacher is a very large sweeping epic and we may have to, you know, delve further into that after the fact. We'll see how that all goes. Yeah, it's, it's also very, very deep. So it's one of those ones where um, it can get it can get kind of depressing the longer you go with it. As good as it is, it's, it's yeah, absolutely amazing. That is true. But, yeah, we, we might all do better psychiatrically if we only just read the first book. But we'll see. How that goes. And we'll go right from preacher into cross. Yay! Yes. Uh, yeah, we can do that. that. Then we'd really have a, a no, long time. no. <laughs> one of the horrible things we could go into. Um, Hundred Days of Night. Um, what other horribly dark books? Oh, I'm sure. Fell by Warren Ellis is just which one? Fell. I don't know if I know that one. Oh yeah, that one kind of rips your heart out. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, I mean, like Lock and Key is a great series. It's also it's both dark and funny at the same time. But there's mm -hmm. some, there's some big, big stuff in there. But so there's we got a lot of stuff. Um, we also have a, a Facebook. Um, Brian, remind us what the actual page is to get there. I can't remember off the top of my head. For the actual Facebook or yeah. for the website in general? Uh, uh, both actually. Yeah. Uh, website in general is www.funnybooks plural uh, and firewater.com and is spelled out and uh, at the bottom of that page they have links to our Facebook our Instagram and our Twitter accounts um, I believe we have two different Twitter accounts we'll figure out which one we're actually going to use um, we'll probably give Adam the keys to whatever that one is because I don't Twitter very well but Instagram <laughs> I do uh, I do update on occasion and uh, um, hopefully I'll throw on some uh, drink recipes on it and whatnot. Um, but yeah if uh, funnybooksandfirewater.com uh, will lead you to most things um and uh, yeah, I think on Facebook we are. If you search Funny Books of Firewater, yeah. you will find. So them. the biggest thing we'd ask you guys is, is uh, on that page, you know, let us know what you want us to talk about. Let us know, uh, give us some recommendations because I've read a lot of comics, but I I haven't read all of them by any way, shape, or form. Um, but let us know, hey, this is a cool comic I enjoy. Uh, this is one that I'd love to see you guys take on, um, or just like you know, just give us some information there because we want to hear from you guys. You guys know what you want, um, so we can discuss it and we can all have fun that way. Absolutely, and another way too, I mean, Facebook is a great way of talking to all of us. Um, if you want as well, there is a contact tab at the top of our website that will uh, lead you to an in, uh, email thing, and that will send an email directly to us as well, so we can check that out if you have recommendations, thoughts, comments, questions, 
things better left unsaid, um, you know, let us know, uh, and we will uh, hopefully check them out. And uh, yeah, that uh, that should do it. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, appreciate you listening. Um, and uh, yeah, next re- week we'll be reading Preacher, so uh, you can read along with us. And uh, you know, it's a great book. We don't want to down downplay it, but uh, yeah, it gets a little depressing at times. It's so, it uh, <laughs> Yeah. So. So, awesome. Thank you much. And uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Have a good week. All right. See ya. And that, kids, will do it for this week's episode of the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. Next week, we are discussing Preacher, Volume 1, Gone to Texas, just in time for the new TV series to come out. Scheduled to appear with us is going to be Andy Wilson from the Board is Held podcast, who has seen the TV series at uh, South by Southwest this year. And we will discuss the differences and similarities between the comic book and the TV show. Once again, if you like what you hear, find us online, funnybooksandfirewater.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Please support your local comic shop, and don't forget to tip your bartender. 